What is up, people? And thank you guys for listening in to this very special edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. It is our NBA tip-off show. Of course, the NBA season has just gotten underway. So we'll be talking about some of the early impressions we have from the early season, along with giving you guys plenty of predictions and breaking down previews for this upcoming season. If you guys have ever listened to this show or heard, seen us on YouTube, you would know that we are basketball junkies, basketball fanatics. Uh, we both love the NBA dearly, so the fact that Hoops is back means that we got to do a full show on all basketball. We understand that, obviously, baseball playoffs are going on, and it's, it's a pretty intense uh, uh a championship series we have going on in both leagues and of course we understand that football season is indeed in the full swing we will get to all that stuff and by next week we'll probably start doing world series um but for this week we're doing just all basketball um we even had some news break this today that was pretty insane we're gonna get to that later on in the show uh, in regards to the g league so <laughs> this is if you like nba basketball you like college basketball you like the g league you like any kind of hoops the only thing we're not covering is high school basketball, but really the G League story is kind of connected to high school basketball. So actually, I would say yes. we are. So yeah, we're covering basketball on all levels in the NBA tip-off special we're doing today. Uh, Kendall, you are my co-host today. Um, obviously, you are also you are also a huge basketball fan. Uh, so what are you most looking forward to talking about on this show? Yeah, obviously the NBA season is around the corner, so that's going to be fun. Uh, but my Kendall's court, and that last, really the last portion of our show, we'll be talking about a lot of uh, what has been. I talked about the college basketball trial last week for Kendall's court. Didn't expect to talk about it again this week. Uh, guess I was wrong because some of the bigger or the biggest bombshells out of that trial have come out this week. Um, and stuff that ultimately rivals the Sean Miller, DeAndre Ayton report that came out for ESPN last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to discuss everything from Coach K to Zion Williamson to Bill Self, and if any of them are in danger at this point. And uh, we were also at American Conference Media Day, so yeah. you guys should check out our uh, YouTube channel for interviews with Penny Hardaway, Dan Hurley, Mick Cronin, and the like. Yeah, shout out to the American Athletic Conference putting on a awesome media day and having us there. Uh, I want to shout out to my my obviously my colleague Kendall here because I thought he did a fantastic job. He did the majority of our interviews while I was behind the camera, um, and of course, thankful for him to also be behind the camera and help me with the interviews that I conducted. And shout out to all the coaches; they all were really cool. Um, uh, you you mentioned uh, Cronin, Hurley, and uh, and um, and Penny. Of course, we also talked to. Kelvin Sampson from Houston, Greg Marshall from Wichita State, shout out Jaden Jalen Adams, uh, potential All American guard at UConn. Just shout out to the whole conference. It was it was just it was just a dope event. You know I, I you know it was it was the first time we neither either of us have been to a college a major college conferences media day, and uh, it went pretty swimmingly. Everyone was really cool. So that was a uh, that was that was awesome to, to see. And again, as Kendall said, definitely check out our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We have so much content. I've been trying to just just run it out there as quickly as I can. Yeah, we still have some Comic Con content to get out there. <laughs> there's Comic Con content. If you guys are into, you guys listen to New Generation Hero Talk. There's Comic Con content. I still got to get out. So uh, this, you know, I feel like New Generation Media. This has really been a banner few weeks for us. I feel. Um, I think that we've done some unbelievable work in this last few weeks. Um, 
So we would love for you guys to check that stuff out again. You can go to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, find out all of that stuff in regards to the AAC's Media Day and, of course, New York Comic Con 2018. But let's get back to the focus of this show. And it's the NBA preview show that we're doing this year. Now, Kendall, um, we've had uh, several games uh, already in action. I believe almost every team has played. The Lakers, we're doing a show on Thursday night, so, of course, the Lakers will be uh, playing momentarily against Portland. Um, but as of right now, I believe every team is, is, has officially, uh, uh, taken the court. And I just want to ask you, again, we've seen several teams play. What was, uh, your biggest takeaway from these games so far? Of course, we say that not knowing what the Lakers result is going to be, but we'll talk about the Lakers in a second. Yeah, I mean, obviously I have a bit of bias uh, as a Celtics fan, they're the team that I focus the most on. But at this point, the Celtics have become one of the more interesting teams in the NBA. Uh, it's not the most interesting team in the NBA for a lot of people. And that game against Philadelphia, another team that's probably in the top five for most people in terms of interesting teams, in terms of league passings, however way you want to word it. Um, I think we saw how much further the Philadelphia 76ers are from the Boston Celtics. Now, you have to take into consideration it was the home opener for Boston. Um, Wilson Chandler, I guess, did not play for Philadelphia, so uh, they did not have a piece of their rotation. Boston was fully healthy, so you have to take all that in consideration. But with that being said, we had we saw a game in which Kyrie Irving shot 2 for 14, Gordon Hayward still does not look like the player he was. I don't know if he ever will, but still looks like he was about 50% of what he's been in the past. And Philly got routed by the Boston Celtics. And if you're a, if you're a Sixers fan, you have to really be worried. And this is something that I talked about. Well, one, you you have to be really worried about Markel Fultz. Because Markel Fultz was very, very bad. Uh in that first game. And you have to sit back and you, this is something I talked about and asked over the show. I asked any time I had a conversation about the Sixers this offseason, I said, the Sixers, if they want to really compete this season, they have to trade Markel Fultz now while his value is still fairly high. There was a huge uh, campaign that the Sixers need to keep Markel Fultz and see what he was and you know, how he's getting his jump shot back and he's going to be the same player and, you know, he's going to be a monster this season. I just never was that confident in that campaign. I'm not saying that series is over. I'm not saying he's a bust. There's some people out here after this first game saying it's over, he's a bust. That's a little much. That's a little much. You know, it's one regular season game. But it's ridiculous. But I would say that this is more of the stuff that we saw last season. And I'm... My logic has always been that Marco Fultz, what he is right now, even at his best, is not really a good fit next to Embiid and Simmons. So they could have gotten out, and they could have gone out and gotten somebody that could have helped them to compete against the Celtics team, but they don't have that guy now. And ultimately, Jason Tatum looks like he's on the level of what Simmons and Embiid are, and that's a frightening. That's a frightening sight if you're a Sixers fan. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers are playing tonight. Um, Marco Fultz has not looked to me very impressive in the first half that I watched tonight. Um, I'm not going to panic just yet. 
But uh, he definitely looks like a player that I would treat him like he was Rondo in terms of guarding him. I just it doesn't seem like he's still really any threat to make a jump shot. Um, even his free throws every now are like you don't know. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes you hide your eyes. So uh, so I think that's still a work in progress. I don't think that is to the point where I think he's done. But um, I do get your point in that. Who's to say he ever gets? Like the argument, I think, in terms of why I kind of sided with it for the most part, in that, okay, like, but you could be trading a guy for like twenty cents on the dollar. If, if you, know, you trade number one pick in the draft, there's a potential you're trading a superstar player, and you're trading him for a guy who may be a rental or a guy who may be in his prime, but maybe only has a couple more years left. That could look crazy if it doesn't work out, but the way he's looked so far, and then you counter what we saw last season, you almost kind of wonder. Will his value ever be as high as it was this summer? It wasn't that high this summer, but you, you have to at least have yeah. those questions, and that's why I get where maybe the risk re- made sense. And and you know, I, I hate to be the guy that's like that trade was stupid because look, I thought the trade at the time I was upset. I mean, I wasn't super upset, but I was a little upset at the Celtics fan. Like, man, yeah, I thought it was a bad. I thought it was a bad deal for the Celtics. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, all right, and. By the by, the summer week, I realized, all right, this, we we lucked out. Yeah. Um, there are some people in the media that are having re- revisionist history and saying the Sixers were always stupid for trading Markel Fultz, and yeah, we always knew James Tatum was the better player. Like BS. But regardless, um, at the same point, I do look back and I saw a guy last night who I was hiring before drafting Malik Monk for eighteen points. He also had a tough rookie year. Yeah. He also was being called a bust after his rookie year. Yeah. But who do you think the Sixers would rather have right now, Malik Monk or Markel Fultz? Monk, I'll be honest. I would rather have Malik Monk because I think Monk, he can, Monk, at least he can, can shoot, can at least he, he can score. Him. Yeah, exactly. You know, like Fultz, I, I don't know what he gives you. He's a he's a point guard that can distribute and get to the basket a little bit, finish at the rim. But like, again, he's a poor man's Ben Simmons right now, and that's the last thing the Sixers need. And Monk was a guy that was attached to the Sixers for a long time before the draft, but. Instead of trading down, they traded up, got the guy who they felt was better. At the time, it made a lot of sense, but now they're they're in a position where now you see why people say do not trade within your division because at least do not make major trades within your division. The, yeah. the Nets made that mistake with Danny Ainge. The Philly, the Philadelphia 76ers also made that mistake with Danny Ainge. And now both Brian Colangelo and Billy King are out of a job. Because they decided to trade within their division. Also, because uh, Billy, Billy, you know, Brian uh, Colangelo was uh, also very happy with the Twitter Twitter fingers. Had yes. they, had, had, had he put the Twitter Twitter fingers away, he may have survived the the trade. Yeah, the, yeah, the BKB. plenty of uh, burner ravens uh, from Game of Zones. Did you see? Uh, did you see the um, the cover of ESPN the magazine, the Philly version? Of the no, I did not. It's. Uh, CSI this, this month. It's, it's yeah, it's CSI Philly, and it's uh, pictures. The head it's just headshots of Colangelo, Embiid, and Simmons, and it's like what like I forgot what the title was like. What went down this summer or whatever? It's oh, a, the, it's the a uh, ridiculous cover. It's I mean, like every team in the NBA like a, a television show. I think so. I didn't know that yeah. was what they were doing, but I know that yeah, yeah, every team got like a cover. I saw like the Celtics one. There was a couple of them, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that the other ones were TV related. I just I, the Sixer one is in my home. That's how I saw it. Right. Um, otherwise, I, I would have never seen it. But uh, in terms of the Celtics, real quick, um, I agree that my takeaway 
from that first game of the season, and it's you know you don't want to overreact, but I, I I'm willing to overreact on this. Uh, Philly has no chance against this team if they're healthy. None. They can't compete. They, they and common sense suggested that if you watched the playoffs last year, and to me it's obvious that Ben Simmons is a better player than he was last year. Early on, already. Oh yeah, I mean, I saw that in the preseason. I'm like, this guy's Simmons. Yeah, Ben Simmons is incredible. incredible. He's ridiculous. Um, he's he's absolutely ridiculous. Even with that being said, and Embiid being the beast that he is, they still can't compete with compete with this team. I think their supporting guys got a little worse, man. I don't know. Yeah, I they no, didn't I, have Wilson Chandler, who's a big I part. Agree. I mean, you are. I I, I was gonna, and we'll talk about the Sixers in the landscape of the East later on, but. I, I, I look at their sporting cast, and I, if they, I, don't, I don't know if I say they got worse, but I don't think that they've gotten better at all. They and changed up their guys, philosophy. A lot of from, guys like Redick and Chandler, they're just a year older. Redick yeah, has a year, but Father Time catches up to everyone. Um, they Chandler's lost Belmont and Ilyasova, who I who like. Dump shooters. Sorry, we'll and people said they people said they need they had too many jump shooters and need more guys that can attack, and they were right. But now I feel like they don't have the jump shooters that they had before. It makes them so much easier to guard because now Simmons and Fultz are not nearly as dangerous as they want. I mean, Simmons is still very dangerous, but not dangerous passing the ball as he used to be. And I like Wilson Chandler as a player, former Nick. I think that in this NBA, I think he kind of fits perfectly. But he's also one of those guys where I don't know if, like, I feel like he's one of those guys where if he's not really going to be, like, one of the guys in the offense. Like, I don't know. If he's your ninth guy, I don't know what he really does. Because he's not a standstill shooter. He's, despite his athleticism, he's actually not that great a defender. So, he's almost like a guy that almost always needs to be on kind of a bad team to really see how good he is. So, I'm curious how Philly uses him. I mean, I think he should definitely be their stretch four. He has way more ability than, like, Ilyasova. But Ilyasova plays defense and shoots threes. Like, he has a very defined role. And he, Will doesn't really do either of those things. He can do them, but not to the level of Ilyasova. And, like, if he's not going to have the volume of shots he's seen in Denver and New York, how will he fit in? So that's a grave question. But Boston, um, uh, yeah, the, the I don't know how they – we will talk about how they stack out with the other teams, but to me there is no conversation between Boston and Philly. If, they, if NB was right about one thing, which he was not right about very much in that game because he was terrible in that first game, um, and, and Boston let him know about it. Those players, you guys were talking trash to him all night. <laughs> yeah, I love and the They let him know about it. But if there's anything he was right about was that there is no rivalry between these two teams. Boston is light years better. They beat them in five games without their two best players. The other two guys came back and looked like shells of themselves, and they got shellacked. So I think that this is a situation where um, Philly is probably one more move away from really competing with Boston. I don't think that they can't do the move, but if they don't do it this year, it's not going to be a a, a, a battle when they play in the playoffs. It's going to be another short series. Front, you, my, sorry, go ahead. The other, uh, I thought the other, well, if there was a, the, the other storyline I thought was interesting was the Rockets Pelicans game. Yeah, that's why exactly where I was going to yeah. go. That would be uh, my biggest takeaway from the first few games in that um, the, you know, it's funny. I'm going to go in a very weird direction. But actually, I saw only a little bit of this game. I actually watched more of the game and the later game. Um, Dallas. Dallas and Phoenix. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Trevor Reese is a good basketball player. And I kind of, me and you went back and forth about this all summer. 
And I, I, I watching him play last night, I was like, man, this is the kind of guy like Houston really needs. Like, I kept saying that, and a lot of people kept saying that, and there are like people like you, not just you, but other people who are like, yeah, but he's just Trevor Reza, and like Melo could do more, and blah, 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 blah. But when you see like how he was able to impact the Suns, even a worse team, um, and show that he still has a little more that he can do than just shoot threes like they had him do in Houston. Yeah. And then you realize what Houston has now and how it still really doesn't all add up quite well yet. I, I have some concerns. And watched him last night. The biggest concern was always going to be what are they going to look like defensively without um, two of their best defensive players. Um, it looked really terrible last night. They couldn't keep anyone out of the paint. They gave up a lot of good looks. The Miritich was red hot last night. And the kind, the guys that gave them issues, Julius Randle and Miritich, would have been guarded by Omar Mute and, and Trevor Reza. They replaced those guys with James Ennis and Melo. And we saw a very, very, very different result from what we would I think we would have seen had those other guys been in there. So my thing is, look, could Houston eventually, once they figure it out, those guys uh, bring more offense to the table and then it balances out and Houston's a more powerful offensive team? Perhaps. I'm not going to go crazy. I know what the stat line was for Melo, and I'm not going to jump on him right now. My thing is, they better figure that out. Because I don't know this defense thing. I, they were one of the best defense teams in the league last year. I, that's not going to happen. That's, there, there's no way... With when you give up two guys that are that good on that side of the ball, and the rest of your team, you really you know I know you got Capella still, and Paul guards his position well. But pretty much everyone everyone else in that team besides PJ Tucker doesn't play defense, so that's going to be a problem for them this year. Uh, I, I think the Pelicans played really well. I don't think that this was so much about them as much as it was about a team that made a decision to go in a different direction. And seeing that there are consequences to it that they're gonna have to figure out, they may be able to figure it out in time, but they didn't figure it out in the first game. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the Rockets—they looked awful. Um, the Pelicans looked really good. I don't know if it was New Orleans, New Orleans or Houston. I, I think yeah, it definitely obviously is a little bit of both. I do think the Pelicans are a very good team. I mean, each time more scoring twenty one points, that ain't all on the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, how much did they put up? Shout out to I'm not trying to diss him, but we know how much did the team put up as a as a total. The team they put they scored 131 points. Yeah, because I mean, I saw AD had 30 something, Miritich had 30, and Drew ran out like 25, 71 points at halftime. Alfred, yeah, that's like a 2K, it's a 2K thing right there. He scored 60 in the second half. That actually was worse than how he played in the first half. But the uh, that, I'm sure that game was a lot more fun to watch than the uh, the Knicks Hawks game, which early on was was kind of a kind of a, a drag. The first quarter but, was awful, but then Knicks. Made, yeah, I was watching. Then the Knicks made every shot in the second quarter. Yeah, it, it but um, but now the uh, the Rockets. They're, I mean, they're in a spot where clearly, um, I don't know where, I'm not, I'm not sure if Carmelo Anthony's the best fit. Uh, there, you know, there's still people out there trying to make excuses about, you know, oh, he's got to, he's got to start. <laughs> if he starts, he's going to be better. 
he come off the bench it's a, it's a dying tragedy I'm like I don't know. He started I mean, last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, you're right. He, he started, started last year. He started every game last year. How was that? And like, I don't know how you I, can look at one game. Uh, to me, honestly, I think that's – I almost think that's disrespectful to Carmelo Anthony because, look, we I've I've said my piece about Melo as a player. He's one of my all-time favorite players ever to play in the NBA. But I've been very honest about how I feel his game has declined. That being said, I think it's highly disrespectful to have him play one game off the bench and then say he's incapable of playing basketball unless he starts. Yeah. I think that's a little I think that's a little like really you don't you think that he's incapable of being an effective player if he's not starting? Like if I was Melo, I know Melo is kind of weird because he's he only he's been demanding to start pretty much the last 3 3 years uh with the Knicks and the uh and the Rockets and the uh and the and uh the Thunder, but I don't know. I think that's like I can't go over one game and be like, "Oh no, this is never going to work." It almost sounds like I don't want to. I, I don't know. It sounds like people who may be saying that may even have an agenda to get him back in the starting lineup and to use it. Maybe he's well, what I'm saying used to kind of speak for him because I don't see how that makes any sense. <laughs> hey, fair enough. Because um, I was it almost sound like the, the the parent of like a high school basketball player. You know, my yeah. son can't be effective unless he's in the starting lineup. He gets extra amount of shots. But after I mean, one like, game, yeah, it's like who cares, man? Like, come on, you're gonna come off the bench and you're gonna get your shots. The teams, the coaches start who they who he feels he should start. The five best guys to start a game, you know, like it's not if play he the feels, 15 minutes. If you played 10, 15 minutes, come off the bench, I'd say okay, yeah, I get. Yeah, like, he can't really he can't get into a rhythm. He played 27 minutes last night. That's what he's going to average this year. He's going to play about – if he started on another team, he'd average about 27 to 30 minutes a night. Yeah, Melo's not – He's not he's playing not 20, 20 minutes a night. five years old. He can't play 35 minutes a night. Now, um, they're, they're at a point where at some point, look, obviously Jimmy Butler is a very big elephant in the room for a lot of franchises. I don't know if the Rockets are completely out of talks with them or if they're that deal is still on the table, but – at some point, they're gonna have to think about should we just shake this thing up completely and bring in Jimmy Butler? Didn't the owner say that like it wasn't a it wasn't a a it wasn't a fit thing? It was a assets thing in regards to Jimmy Butler. I feel like he yeah said yeah that. he was very uh, which means that I think the, he will be getting fined very soon. If he hasn't already. Yeah yeah it was vocal to the point of tampering, but um, what he he was basically. The basic the, the basic point was that we're not going to trade PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon for Jimmy Butler. He didn't say those two names, but that's when you I mean if you piece together reports with what he was saying, it sounds as if PJ Tucker is too uh, important to the culture of the Rockets to give up for Jimmy Butler. And look, that's the way he feels. That's the way he feels. Um, you, and you can argue what we saw last night. He was he's the one guy on the team that played defense. Yeah. Ultimately, their formula last year. And in the past, it's been built on having a lot of 3 and D players. Now, they don't really have 3 and D guys. They just have three guys that don't really play D. And P.J. Tucker is the only real traditional 3 and D guy on the team. And he's the only guy that really played well last night. <laughs> yeah. Well, the yeah, guy, more... he played great. He had 19 points. He shot 4 for 7 from 3. He's the only guy that showed up. And there's not a lot of depth on the team. And that's not great for a team that's got two aging Stars, I use quotation marks around Carmelo Anthony's name, but two aging stars and a guy in Harden that you really don't want to run into the ground. 
Yeah, playing 18 minutes of uh, Michael Carter Williams is, is not going to get you a lot of wins. Newsflash. So. Oh, yeah, Michael Carter Williams was awful last night. <laughs> the little I saw him, like, guys coming to the game, he's doing stupid stuff. I'm like, yeah, he, he came in the game and he was trending on my Twitter real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, he was trending real quick. For all the people that thought, oh, Michael Carter Williams in a good situation, we'll see what happens. We're good coaching. He's worse than he was, than, he, than he's been the last three stops. Is, Mike, is that really the thing that people don't think Carter's gotten good coaching? I mean, I, I'm just thinking about where he's been. Brett Brown, Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, I mean, Brett Brown. That was before people thought Brett Brown was a good coach. Who, who's a, who, I don't even know who's going to last year. Clifford? Yeah. I don't think he's gotten bad coaching. He hasn't gotten bad coaching. Neither one of those guys like, I would say is bad. I wouldn't he just hasn't played for like a, a, a Hall of Fame type guy right. or a coach. And Tony is definitely a step above. That's true. Um, and more so just being in a good situation. And he hasn't done something done jack. Uh, what did you make of the new look uh, Raptors? I mean, the Raptors are going to be a good team. You know, I, I don't I don't think much about anything from a game against Cleveland. Um, you know, I think Kawhi isn't Leonard. Sad, isn't it sad we're back to that point again? Yeah, we are. Like, uh, like, I remember that when LeBron left and we were like, we don't care what happens with the Cavs. <laughs> we're back to the situation again where it's like, you get the Cavs, whatever. It's like, this team was like at the center of the basketball universe for the last four years. Yeah. Just like that. It's, it's gone in a, in, in a Thanos snap. Yeah, basically. Um, but they, they're, they, I mean, they're going to be a tough team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Kyle Lowry played excellent last night. Yeah, he was. He looked really sharp last night. But uh, yeah, Cleveland, they're they're going to be a mess this year. I'm not I'm not surprised. Uh, although look out for Teddy Osman. He had a good game last night. Seventeen points. He did. Uh, yeah, Osman did. is good. Um, he, he 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 he. Don't be surprised if he's like in the conversation for most improved player. Yeah, he might end up being like a 15, 16 point. Yeah, because he's gonna score. He's gonna score. He's got game. Um, the Raptors. The Raptors are. You're right. I mean, me and you kind of have the same feeling. The Raptors are good, man. Uh, and I tell you what, I think that the man that trade. I'm I'm so happy they made that trade because this team. <laughs> you are all aboard, man. This team has such a different. I'm not looking at their roster and looking at what they did last night. I'm like, all right, finally, this team really got a shot now. I look at a team, like, I was surprised that Anubi and Ibaka were moved to the bench. But now when I look at their starting lineup, and you got Leonard and Siakam guarding guys on the wing, and you got Green on the backcourt with Lowry. Uh, they got shooting. They got length. They're, athlete, they're more athletic now. One of my biggest issues with the Raptors, and has continued to be, and you know it because I've said it every year, was I felt like while they definitely improved the athletic profile of the team last year, I think that was a big reason for why they were so successful with Siakam getting more time and then drafting on a newbie. I still felt like they were a couple athletes away. They were just they're not a very athletic team, and when they played against hyper athletic star players, I thought they could be hurt like they were against LeBron James, um, or even just great one on one players like they have in the past by Paul Pierce or other players. And when you see the guys they got now. You got Danny Green, Leonard, and Siakam playing in the starting lineup, and Anunoby's coming off the bench. I mean, you got real length, real athleticism. 
uh, this is going to be a this team is going to be a problem. The only thing to me that's that's going to stop them is health. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's something to keep an eye on. Um, it is obviously it's, it's Kawhi Leonard and Lowry, but um, yeah, this is a team that the only thing that worries me is that they don't have the top end depth that Boston has. You know, they're they're deep in the sense that they can play a lot of guys that can be effective. Mm-hmm. But I just worry that if Leonard doesn't have it, or if he does, and or if Lowry isn't playing at an elite level, who's going to be that guy? Where I feel like the Celtics have like four or five guys that, like, I mean, Kyrie obviously can can play the best player in the league when he's on fire, and uh, Tatum can be the best player on the court at times, and Brown is proven at times he can be the best player on the court, and Horford can affect the game in many ways, and we'll see where Hayward's at. Uh, but you hope by the playoffs he can be that type of guy. They just have a lot of even Rozier can get hot. You know, I feel like Toronto is going to be very reliant on Kawhi Leonard and Lowry being very effective. And Lowry hasn't been effective in the postseason. That's a worry. But for a team that also relied, that also had problems matching up with teams defensively. To me, that problem is erased with how they put this together. And I think that. That's so people, beat the Celtics. I, mean, I think the Cavs kind of showed last year, even on a on a team that was uh, the Celtic team that was you know undermanned. If you're going to beat the Celtics, you you have to guard. You're not. Yeah. The, the Celtics are so well coached defensively. The idea that you're going to score a large amount of points against this kind of team is it's just for four games that you're going to win. That's that's going to be hard. The Cavs eventually had to. Grind out a game, um, and if it is, and it likely it's got to be on the road. They scored only ninety something points against that in that game seven, but they grinded out a win because they defended well. They won those games in Cleveland because they defended well. Eventually, you're going to have to knuckle up and defend. And I think the Raptors could, if they become the, if they're the best defense team in the East. That would not surprise me because of how they put this together. And I got to give a lot. Of, I mean. I know I'm giving them a lot of credit because it was my idea for this trade, but just seeing the roster now, like it just, it just, it's just a new energy. I just look at the team and I'm like, this is this is a team that I look at. I'm like, yeah, this is scary. That team last year, and I tried to believe in them, but you still had those doubts because you saw the shortcomings. And um, I see what you're saying about offense and and do they have enough shooting? But I, I tell you what, I, I think that this is going to be a team that's going to be uh, a dangerous uh, early on. Um, Kendall, do you have any other uh, takeaways from, from the first few games of the season? Uh, nah. Um, the the rookie class wasn't spectacular last night. I thought they nobody were okay. Really, what? I thought they were okay. Yeah, nobody really. Uh, nobody really opened my eyes. You know, I thought Shade really Alexander looked solid. What? Aiden was great. Oh yeah, Aiden played very well, especially against DeAndre DeAndre Jordan. But uh, he's a guy that, besides Doncic, should have the highest expectations for at this point. Yeah, um, I'm starting to become, feel very foolish that he was not in my top three for rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, I said that. Yeah, after first two free season, I was like, yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, that's that's looking that's looking really that's looking really foolish. Uh, I'm I'm sure. Let's not share that video with a bunch of Suns blogs. 
<laughs> I'm sure they're yeah. really getting roasted uh, momentarily for the for that pick. Yeah, he looks he looks unbelievable. Um, I knew he was gonna be great, but I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this is the guy I that I know to dominate first, this quickly. First time he played in Arizona, I'm this guy's like the next three center. But you know, as as like every college player, uh, we'll get we'll get to college basketball and whether or not guys should even play college basketball. But like every college player, after the non-conference season. Once you get the conference season, like Trey Young, we start to pick apart every aspect of the game and talk about, oh, they didn't average enough blocks against yeah. Oregon and Oregon State. So he's not the number one pick, and, you know, you start to overanalyze stuff. So I, I hopefully like we don't do that this draft cycle. I liked what I saw from Mo Bamba last night, too. Mo Bamba, actually, I think he was the second league before among all – well, yeah, can't forget about Alonzo Trier. But. Yeah, well, Trey Young, they also had, like, 14. He had 13. Yeah, yeah. But of all the major guys, the guy that I've heard, he had Mobamba had one of the higher scoring games. He showed he showed the range. He did three last night. Uh he had two blocks, one sensational block. I didn't realize he was even gonna play, I thought he was hurt. Yeah, no, I I, I, I tuned into that game. So when I'm when I'm getting back home and from coming from the city, I can't watch the Knicks. So I gotta find something else to do before I get into Pennsylvania and actually watch the Knicks. So I I, I tuned in. You need game. my uh, you need my hookup, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know you I know you always have to hook up. But um, I uh, so I tuned in this game and I watched some of the Hornets uh, Bucks game and uh, I liked what I saw from Mo Bamba. Everything I thought about this kid and why I loved him so much, I saw in that first game. So that was thrilling. Uh, this is not really much of a, a huge issue, but uh, we got poor enough for Blake Griffin's uh, legs, man. He saw him get blocked by Jared Allen. Yeah, it's over for him. Yeah, not that was that was like that come to Jesus more. Yeah, like my thing is, look, it, it's not that he 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 can't be a, a effective player. It's not that he can't even be a star player. But the whole stop trying to dunk on that. Yeah, the whole earthquake like thing that's dead. He shouldn't lob he, city. He shouldn't try to do that ever again. That was embarrassing. I mean, it, it, Jared Allen just like swallowed him up. <laughs> it was just like ridiculous how uh how how. Little he got off the ground. Jared Allen was like in middle school when he was dunking on Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> that's sad, man. It's sad, man. Look, and I love. I, I who doesn't love those Blake Griffin highlight reel dunks? We all do. So to see that happen, and it sucks because like Blake Griffin, is, he played well last night. He had twenty six points. You know, he yeah he can still ball. We all think so, and we know he's declining, but um. And they won last night, and that's still the headline. It's like, did you see Blake Griffin try to dunk on someone in 2018? It didn't go very well for him. It's not. It's over. Yeah. You guys stop doing that. The 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 Marvin Bagley draft pick continues to look bad, though. This guy had six points. He's not even started. only played twelve minutes. Yeah, couldn't play over the Mania by Lisa. I'm just a little worried, man. Couldn't play over Willie Cauley. Willie Cauley signed played 38 minutes. Played well. But how did Bagley not even... How could he not even get on the floor, man? Yeah, I, don't I know mean, I thought Bagley was one of the safer picks I've seen in a long time. In terms of this guy just going to be productive off I mean, of energy. I mean, the minutes he played, he was productive. It just wasn't a lot of time. Fair enough. I didn't watch any of this game, so I can't say why he didn't play. <laughs> no one did. Yeah, yeah. I, You're not a Kings yeah, or Jazz fan. Kings no or Jazz fan. No one watched this game. Um, I can't say why he didn't. I mean, maybe just Bayalisa was. I mean, he he was eight for twelve and eighteen. Yeah, that front court played well. Yeah, perhaps those other guys were just playing so well that 
Bagley kind of just didn't get out there. Trust me, those guys won't play that way all year. So hopefully, if that happens, then Bagley will get more time than what. Strangely enough, they started Yogi Ferrell with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill. Yeah, I think I think more teams are kind of doing these weird lineups. The Knicks did it last night with uh, with Nilla playing playing three forward. I think I, I think it's becoming man. I tell you what, I shout out to Jeremy Rose. I I used to always hate him saying that basketball is always been a is a positionless sport. Positions are just for novices who don't know the game. Yeah, positions were only created. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with the statement, but he just says it all the time. <laughs> that it's just like yo, we get it. Like and I know. Look, there are some people who don't watch him religiously, so I can get like why he would want to bring that up every time. But my dog, you don't got to bring it up every time. <laughs> we got. I got the eightieth time last week when you said it, but it, 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 what he said he's said about that is ringing very very true. It seems like with every game I watch, teams are just throwing out five guys out there that can play. It really is looking more and more like pickup basketball. Yeah, Brad's like, even. I go to the parking like, yeah, I know that guy's that. big, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm just gonna get the five guys I know I can play, and we'll win. That's what the NBA is now. So for the for the Kings, it made sense for them to go with five eleven Yogi Ferrell and have him play the two. He's he's he was a better option than putting Jackson out there or putting Harry Giles out there, um, or putting Iman Shumpert out there for for uh, at least in the eyes of a uh, of a uh, of their coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's just the way the NBA is now. I I think we're going to be seeing these lines like this all the time. But yeah, yeah, those were my biggest takeaways. Um, I don't know what uh, did Jimmy Butler get booed last night? Well, they, they were on the road. Uh, he yeah. looked. I watched some of that game too. He looked rusty. Um, DeRozan ate his behind up. <laughs> yeah, concerned. uh, he won that battle quite easily. I'm not gonna kill Jimmy for it because I know he like hasn't had that much practice time. But however. <laughs> if I'm gonna talk about cat talking trash to third stringers, I don't think Jimmy, you talking that spicy. Your man, you can't go in your first matchup against a marquee guard and get outplayed like that. That's not that's not a good that's not an easy matchup though. I'm, it's I not can't an easy him, matchup, but you can't. If get, he got cooked by like Avery Bradley, I'd be like, yeah, that, that can't happen. Man. It's not an easy matchup. <laughs> he got cooked by. I mean, a lot he of got, guys. He got cooked by, by a, a, a bona fide all star player. I totally understand that. He was talking mad spicy. You can't talk that spicy. Well, yeah, but he was talking mad spicy about Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins would have would have put forty. There, Andrew Wiggins got eaten up by DeRozan too. I don't want to just absolve him. They both could not guard Demar Derozan last night. But in that talking spicy about Wiggins, you got to keep the same energy. You got to keep the same energy in showing that you can bring it to the table. You talk about how what you bring to the team. And that they can't win without you. You taking twenty three shots, only coming up with twenty three points. Your man scoring twenty eight points on you. That's not helping the team win. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so Jimmy, I got you know I got to see something better the next time out. I was looking forward to this matchup, uh, especially because of how he had been talking, and I don't think he really backed it up very well. I'm very surprised he's still on the team. Just like you yeah. asked me when. He really, when he had that demand. I mean, these teams must be offering them nothing. I mean, I wouldn't offer him anything. Jimmy Butler, I mean, you saw what KG was saying. KG was kind he of said he's not, He said he's not worth this. 
he's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, basically, he's like, like, I don't think he earned that. He said something like, I don't think he earned that clout. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> like LeBron or, you know, Kobe or one of these guys. What do you like, think about that? Do you think that there is something to that, that, like, if you're not a superstar player, like, you really you should be demanding trades. Demanding, demanding trades and stuff like that. I mean... Because they're the worst players who demand trades every year. Yeah, I mean, guys can demand trades. You just don't hear about it or, like, no one cares. Like, Reggie yeah. Jackson was demanding a trade from the Thunder. He was way Yeah, basically, stuff. yeah. Eric like, Bledsoe last year was demanding a trade. I mean, it's your, it's your right to go to an organization and say, I'd like a trade. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. Um... If he gets out to the media, he gets out to the media. Um, but what I will say is, I think I just thought it was crazy that KG was would would put Jimmy Butler on blast like that and say that he's not on that Kobe. And ultimately, what I was trying to say was that, like, because of because he's not on that LeBron level, like teams aren't going to give up the farm for Jimmy Butler as a rental. They know he's not going to move the needle. There are only about three teams in the league that Jimmy Butler would make legitimate like threats to the Warriors. Like without where where they 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 wouldn't give up too much. I mean the Rockets, Celtics, and I don't know maybe the Sixers, maybe the, I don't know the Pelicans. There are teams out there, but there aren't many teams out there that feel like oh we got Jimmy Butler, we're gonna beat the Warriors. You know, like like Kawhi like Kawhi Leonard is a guy that, you know, there were about five, six, seven, eight teams that felt like if we got Kawhi Leonard, we could challenge the Warriors. Right. Jimmy Butler isn't on that level necessarily. Uh, I agree with you. I want my conspiracy theory hat on why KG said what he said. What? KG has, he has some kind of relationship with the owner, Glenn Taylor. Whether it's good or bad, is very unclear at the moment. Everything we've heard is that it, it's not positive. It was once positive. It was once very positive. Yeah. The last public reports have been is not as positive. Yeah. But KG doesn't talk very much about the T Wolves, really. Um, I know this is a major story, but he just doesn't. He doesn't, like, for a guy who's, who reps soda the way he reps it, he doesn't talk about them nearly as much as you would think. Yeah, nearly as much as Boston. I feel like perhaps there was a conversation between him and Taylor about what is happening. And the notion, or maybe even Tibbs, it might not even have been Taylor. I think it probably would have, was Taylor, but it also could just be Tibbs, who he just got on the phone and started just, or even Layden. And somewhere along the lines, the T-Wolves got their side of the story to this Jimmy Butler thing, which was basically, like, we all know, like, this dude is not even that good, and, like, he's, like, ruining our franchise. And KG is parroting that. I don't know if he yeah. actually believes, like, I don't know if he actually believes, like, what he said. I, I'm not right. trying to diss KG saying he's not having a mind for his own. But I think that, like, then like there's a tendency for a lot of people. Like you, you get some inside information or you just talk to somebody who's not off the record and they tell you something and you kinda end up like just making that your belief as well. Because you feel like it's almost like it sounds more like a narrative than it does. Because like who who doesn't have the right to demand a trade? <laughs> right. I almost guarantee I guarantee you KG has played with teammates worse than Jimmy Butler that have demanded trades. 
I, oh, guarantee, yeah. I guarantee you. So, and he didn't go out in the media and say, this guy shouldn't be demanding a trade or hasn't, at least I haven't seen him make those conversations about guys who shouldn't have demanded trades. So it's even weird that he picked on Jimmy. He talks about how he never demanded a trade in this time in Minnesota. Yeah. Suck it out. Yeah. I noticed all those things. There was some conversation between him and someone in the Minnesota brass. That and this, look, there's been talk about KG eventually trying to get ownership. That was the whole um, thing. That The whole relationship with him and with Taylor was that Taylor was going to give him part of the team. Yeah. And, like, just like with... Or that Flip would try and buy it before Flip passed. Right. It would be a group. Right. There was some... So, there... And, like, just like with most conversations involving money, things went south somewhere. Yeah, once Flip passed. And now <laughs> things are wrong. So, that's what happens. But I'm sure KG still wants that back. Yeah. So, I don't, I think that while the relationship might not be what it was when he thought he was going to get that bag, I'm sure they're still talking. You know, they may be frenemies at this point, him and Taylor, but I, I get Like most contract negotiations. Exactly. So, that's my conspiracy theory on KG's comments, that they are essentially coming from the T-Bulls organization. Most likely the owner, it could very well be Tibbs or, or someone in the front office. Um, I think that was it in terms of... Uh, my opening takes, I mean, shout out to the Knicks. Obviously, I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, they did their thing in game one, and they played the only team that might be worse than them in the Eastern Conference, and they handled them. So I got to give them credit. Shout out to Tim Hardaway. He looked great. And uh, one thing I did say on Twitter is that I learned very quickly. I thought that the Knicks would never, ever hire a coach with the meme potential of Mike Woodson. I thought that Mike Woodson will forever be the GOAT when it comes to memes and gifs of Nick coaches. I am very glad I was wrong. <laughs> Dave Fisdale is a character on that sidelines. And I I, I I feel like I remember him being pretty charismatic in Memphis, but not like this. Like last night he was on some he was on some next stuff last night. That was that was next level meme potential I saw from Dave Fisdale. So this is going to be, there's going to be an enjoyable next season. Even if there's not a lot of wins, we will have a lot of fun, enjoyable uh, visuals from the sidelines. Because Fisdale is just, he's just, I love him. He's a fool on that sidelines. That's all I got to say about the Knicks. Um, but they they played great. Uh, shout out to them. And uh, and uh, low-key shout out to the Pacers. Um. We'll talk about the East in a sec. They crushed the, the Grizzlies. And I think that's foreshadowing what could be a great year. What could be a Marcus Alter in some condition. Right, yeah, and the Grizzlies, yeah, that, that, that looks like that's not going to go very well. Um, those new uniforms did not help them at all last night. Um, but, yeah, that, I guess that's our, our takes on the first few games of the season. Uh, let's quickly talk about LeBron before we talk about uh, give a preview of the conferences because the Lakers – they're the only team that, since we've done this show, that has not played. I have a simple question for you, Kendall. What would you deem as a success this year for the Bronze Lakers? Because we've heard a lot of different things about, you know, does LeBron have to get to the championship? Do they have to beat the Warriors? Does he have to just make the playoffs? Does he have to win MVP? Like, it's such a weird scenario because he's going to a team, another team that was bad last year. Um, but it has a lot of talent, but they're very young. And they're in a much tougher conference. And he's played in really in his entire career. This is the toughest competition he's had since he's entered the NBA. So, 
what would you think in terms of where LeBron at is at in his career, in his quest to be the GOAT? What does he need to do to uh, to meet expectations for him this year? Expectations, expectations are interesting because it's all kind of relative to what your standard of what your standard of success is. Because I mean, some people think higher of themselves. Some people want higher of themselves. Some people say a championship or bust for everything. But um, for me, I look at uh, this is of course assuming. This that the Lakers don't make any major moves, don't make a move that will raise expectations like trading Brandon Ingram for a star, or trading Lonzo for a star, or trading Kuzma for a star. Um, for me, it's they gotta. I don't care about the regular season. The regular season, they could finish anywhere from one through eight, and it likely wouldn't make a difference. Uh, I mean, if they finish one, I guess that'd be a success. But ultimately, they have to see the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. If they don't see the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs, then I think this season has been as this season has been a failure. But what if they uh, see in the first round? They see them in the first round, and they're the eight seed, and they lose. Then I'm not going to get mad at them unless the Warriors lose in the next round. But would losing, <laughs> you know? but would only being the eight seed, and then having to have that matchup mean that that was a failure? I mean, unless they got if they got swept, then maybe. But so you're not necessarily finishing eighth or seventh and facing the Warriors. Not necessarily. Okay. Because like I said, I, I think the regular season could go worse for the Lakers than most people think. Do you so, think? Do you think that if they don't play the Warriors, anything less than the second round is a failure? I think losing to any other team in the playoffs would likely be a failure. Yeah. Wow. Um. But I I have higher expectations in the postseason for the Lakers, but. Lower expectations in the regular season. If that makes sense. So it does. Interesting. It, yeah. Ultimately, like if we get to the postseason and they're a six seed and they face the Pelicans, they better beat the Pelicans. And then if they face the Rockets in the next round, <laughs> they better beat the Rockets. If they lose to the Rockets, then it's a failure. You know, like I mean, it's not as big a failure as losing in the first round to the Pelicans, but. I, you, the only team LeBron can lose to is the Golden State Warriors without it being like, come on, LeBron. I'll tell you what, Kendall. I feel like you're making the case for a lot of the LeBron stands that feel like the rules are unfair and um, and unbalanced when we compare him to other star players and what we expect from him. That's a very lofty expectation. He's in a very tough conference. I mean, like, if you lose a playoff series... That's not against the Warriors. You failed this year with a team that didn't only won thirty five games last year, or whatever thirty something games they won. Uh, I'm also giving them a pass that if you lose to the Warriors, it's that is I fair. Nothing, You're saying if you play the eighth seed and lose, and you feel like, hey, look, if you play the Warriors. I don't, I'm fine with that. You made the playoffs, so I don't care. It was it a bad year for who the Spurs when they lost to the Warriors? I mean, they underwhelmed a little bit, but at the end of the day, nobody cared. They lost to the Warriors. So you think that with LeBron James? In a postseason series, they should be able to beat anyone in the West besides the Warriors. That's what you're saying with this to me. I, I yeah, I'm not saying I would expect them to. Right, beat you're everyone, saying, but they yeah, should. they should have a shot against everyone except the Warriors. Where I mean, if they beat them, it'd be great. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them any real shot. That's fascinating. 
I don't know if I thought of it. I never really looked at it that way. I've always been kind of just looking at it through, like, just, like, where would they land in terms of the Western Conference hierarchy. Uh, you can make the case that... I can't say they should, but you can make the case that they they are in... They should be, to me, in, like, almost a coin flip series with everyone. Now, we got to see how the team, the season plays out. Like, if someone like the Rockets from last year emerges and wins 60-something games or whatever... I don't know if the Jazz or the Nuggets somehow come out of nowhere and they're a powerhouse and they're just much different than what we expected. I can't say that what I said in October that the Lakers have to beat everyone. Or really what you said. <laughs> not to put that on me. I'm not put, giving them that kind of uh, uh, pressure. They, they have to beat everyone. Because if some team emerges that I didn't expect to be great, then that's different. Um, but I, I could see that case that like they they should be able to compete with every single team and that they should be in, in a fight with every single team uh, in the playoffs. The Western Conference we already know is a dogfight and um, and a bloodbath. So for me, I I, I did this question specifically because I feel like I feel like we're all talking about like the wrong things with LeBron in terms of how we're measuring. It's like will they make the playoffs? Will they? Can they beat the war? I I can I kind of think all that stuff is kind of irrelevant if we we having this conversation about him stacking his legacy, which is where he's at in his career at this point. I, I think you have to. I think the first thing you have to do is immediately establish what is acceptable and what his expectations should be, and then you can determine whether or not he's meeting them in order to be in that goat status. For me, I would say a successful season for the Lakers would be. Um, I don't. I don't think that if they're the seventh or eighth seed, to me, that's a successful season, unless they upset someone in the first round. Uh, if they're a seventh or eighth seed and they get bounced, I think that that's. I don't want to say a failure, but I think someone as dominant as LeBron and for his supporters who have always said that he can go to pretty much every team and make them a contender. I mean, that would that would mean they weren't even close. So. I think they have to finish in the top six, probably. And if they lose in the first round, that's got to be... They got to lose, like, a, a war. And he'd have to play well. Um, if that's not the case, I think that they have to get in that top six seed and they have to win a round. That, to me, would be a successful season for the Lakers. Uh, I understand that it is a lot, only because I feel like they have a lot of young players. And to think that, you know, Brandon Ingram and a Kyle Kuzma and Alonzo Ball, like they're gonna just rise up on playoff time, that's asking a lot. I, I don't I don't think that it's just like unfair to I don't think that it's uh you know, like coddling them or, or being like soft to be like, look, man, I'm asking teenagers and or not teenagers, but twenty year olds and twenty one year olds to, you know, rise up in the playoffs and expect them. Guys have never played in one meaningful game of their right. Every game they've played has been meaningless. Like that is a lot. That's a lot. So I, I get that, which is why I, I you know I temper my expectations. Saying, look, okay, they, if they compete in a really tough first round matchup and they lose, I, I can live with that. But um, but barring anything else, I I think that you know getting to the second round, um, getting making it getting a top six seed in the West, and of course that's subliminal if it's you know not subliminal that's like you know objective or or what's i can't find the word i'm looking for but that's uh we can look at that you know how it goes if they're one spot out of the sixth spot i'm not gonna say oh they failed you know it's you know last year it was like a hodgepodge of teams from three to eight so like it could be like that again this year 
But assuming it's a normal kind of breakdown that we see normally every year where there's a couple of games for each team, I would like to see them get in the top six. Uh, and I like to see LeBron team. I like to see him win the MVP. Um, yeah, I'm not putting that. I can't put that pressure on LeBron. Um, I, I want to. I want to because I feel like LeBron has LeBron and his supporters again. Um, I hate to say it that way. I don't know what the else, I don't know what other way to call it. I I, I feel like sometimes it's just because ba- they're basketball writers who say this stuff too. So it's not just his supporters. It's just it's just people on the other side. Um, I would say I don't know how else to put it. But like they 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 for the lot they two years in a row they all went crazy that LeBron wasn't post hominously for lack of a better term named the MVP after how he played in the playoffs and he has kind of spoken about that he's made sly slick remarks about um, not being the MVP knowing what he brings to the table when he has been not. Giving it his all for the eighty-two games that he played. yeah he's not the same player like, yeah like like look if LeBron and I'm not saying he 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 can even he's even physically capable of playing that way the way he plays in the playoffs because that that what he tries to do in the playoffs is insane and he's incredible that he's able to do it but like I can't say oh because I know what he's capable of I have to give him the MVP every year like that that not, doesn't work that way I have to just look at who played the best who played the best for eighty-two games. And who affected winning the most? And the last two years, it was not LeBron James. I feel like anyone could watch the games and see that that was quite obvious. So I would hope that this year, because of that talk, that he would take responsibility—not responsibility, but like he would take ownership and be okay. You guys are saying that aren't voting for me that I'm not playing the way I played in the playoffs. That I'm showing. Like, the, the the difference between this playoffs and last season, like, it was just crazy. Like, he was literally a completely different cat. Like, I would like to see him take the challenge and say, okay, I'm going to show way more than I know I'm going to do in the regular season to show why I deserve this. And because he's going to a new team and because the the idea of, okay, what is this new team now? How do they look with, with LeBron James now in the fold? It's going to become a lot more eye-opening. It's going to be much more easier to see. You know, we saw that that Cavs team... You know, we've seen that team for four years. So it's like we kind of know what to expect. So it's kind of hard to really uh, appreciate maybe what he brings to the table. With the Lakers this year, we will very quickly understand what kind of difference maker he is because these are totally new dudes. We've seen these guys their entire careers, some of these others, like the Beasleys and the Stevensons, and then these young cats we've seen for at least a year or two. We know what these guys are about. If he's able to go there and make some worlds of difference, you he will win the MVP award. I think that it's his to lose, but I want to see him take that challenge. I don't want to see him coast. I think that that's a, a fair thing. And to me, he already made the case that he doesn't want the minutes restriction that it seems like the Lakers are going to put on him. So I, I think that his mindset may already be there that he that he knows that putting another MVP season together would be uh, important. So I hope that he takes that challenge. That's what I would say my my expectations were for him. I want to see him have MVP caliber season, a true MVP caliber season. Like, if he doesn't win it because of some nonsense on the voting, that's totally different. But he did not deserve it at all the last two years. It wasn't a discussion. So I want to see him legitimately in that discussion, him really giving his all, like, at least, like, 75% of the time. And if he does that and the Lakers are able to win a series or, or win, lose a dogfight in the first round in his first year in Los Angeles, I think that's a great year. Yeah, I mean, I would be very surprised uh, if LeBron won MVP. Um, 
I don't think that this, again, I said this before, and I, we'll talk about it very shortly, but I don't think this Laker regular season will go as as well as people think because, I mean, look at how, I, there are a lot of reasons why, but ultimately, let's think about how Cleveland was, well, first let's think about how Miami was when LeBron first got there. They started out very shaky with a team that had three of the top 15 players in the league, two top six guys in the league. Yeah. And they were, what, like 10 and 11, something like that, to start the season. Yeah, they, they, and, were, they were not that good. Uh, if we remember how Cleveland was when LeBron first got there, very similar. Yeah, very mediocre. Like, Simmons was saying he was Albert Pujols. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. LeBron was <laughs> Albert Pujols. People were like, LeBron stopped using whatever he was using, and he's not the same player anymore, and he'll never be the same player. Um, so... Those are the only two precedents that we've had for LeBron being put on new, on new franchises and having new teams around him. And both times, he struggled mightily early on. I'm not saying that the Lakers are going to start out 5-15, and 15, but there will be some bumps. Because uh, these two teams, this team is not nearly as good as those two teams were. No. Uh, LeBron entered a team that ended up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. And that team struggled. Uh, again, the Miami team had Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and that team struggled. So, this is the worst supporting cast he's been on in terms of a new team that he's been joining. So, I, I in a much tougher conference than those other two teams were on. The other reason is I look at the Cavs team that we most recently saw and LeBron that we're talking about right now. That team last year struggled um, in a weak Eastern Conference because we talked about the supporting cast not being great. Uh, I don't think this Lakers supporting cast is that great either. I think they've got some young guys with some talent. Um, they don't have anybody as good as Kevin Love. Uh, I don't know if they have... They may have guys that fit better around LeBron. You can make that argument. Uh, and they may have guys that maybe will play much better than they've shown because they've got LeBron on the team now rather than Love, who kind of was hurt by LeBron's presence. But at the same time, and this has been sort of a, a, a low-key critique of LeBron, show me the last guy that's gotten astronomically better playing with LeBron. I, I don't I don't know if they're I don't know if those guys that really exist. I mean there are guys that that were role players. Or, not in a long oh. time. I think Anderson Verajal was like obvious, Yeah. Like he was a very good player with LeBron and yeah. not without LeBron he's nothing. Mo Williams, I, I, I feel like the first Cleveland run is the last time where I say, yeah, there were guys that he like obviously made extremely better. Yeah, yeah and even I, some of the guys in Miami, the shooters, Mike Miller, yeah, you, you know, make like a Mike put Miller years on Ray Allen. Like those guys and... wouldn't have like, like they clearly were like on their they last legs, and yeah. like they were given fresh life because of LeBron's ability to find open shooters. Yeah, you can make that case for sure. But I don't know if that template is really here in LA. You, you say know, that. I feel like. You say that, Kendall. But I, I, I would argue that while I, the star power isn't as good on these on this team he's on now. I would say I think the supporting cast is actually better. I disagree. I think there's more talent. I think there's more depth. I don't know if it all fits, but just a collection of talent. I think that there's a question there. There is a collection of talent here. Um, Ingram and Kuzma are two very young 
talented scorers. Rondo, I don't know what the hell he's going to be in the play in the regular season, but in the postseason, he showed that this dude still got it. So you got him. Um, you know, Stevens is a capable role player. Beasley is a capable role player. We saw with the Knicks last year. Uh, JaVale McGee is a champion. So, I, I mean, that Heat team, as Gil Arenas, you know, has said over and over again, they had those three guys, Mario Chalmers, Mike Miller, and then all minimum salary guys. I mean, Eric Dampier was playing for them. Like, yeah. like they were, the, the cupboard was bare with the rest of that team. And, you know, when people make the case, you know, I'm me, me, you know, me always bringing, going back to that 2011 finals and that, you know, being a bad moment for LeBron. They always made the case, well, look, you look past, you look under the, under the hood of the car and realize that, yes, it's a nice Ferrari, but underneath it, it's all jacked up. It's a fair point, you know. Uh, in Cleveland, that was a more complete team, but it, it still, there weren't a lot of great players uh, around there. You know, you had Matt, you know, Del Vadova and, you know, Richard Jefferson on his last legs. I mean, they, you know, they, these teams had issues. So, this team, at least to me, it looks like a real NBA team. I don't know how good they are, but those other teams, they barely look like NBA teams around LeBron James. Now, the only difference is he's not playing with other all-stars. So it's a, it's going to be interesting to see how that changes, how that makes a difference. Like, is he better off? Like, with less talent and more all-stars, because at least he could just make those other bums credible? Or is him now, okay, he's only all-star, but he's got real NBA players on his team. Is that going to be more beneficial? Because maybe while he may have... He may have to live, carry the load in terms of star power. He has other guys that are competent. He won't have to drag with him uh, like he what he had to drag some of those other guys uh, in previous years. I think it's an interesting dichotomy. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, but I I mean, I think this Laker team, uh, they can go one of two ways. Um, they can either, they're either going to overachieve uh, and be a, a top four team in the, in the West, or this could really tank, and I think they'll be uh, around seven or eight seed. But ultimately, I think that this again, they've got a LeBron is a playoff guy. Even though I think that the regular season could be a mess, by the time we get to the postseason, I think the team will catch its stride a little bit, and I think LeBron is still the best player in the league. So I think. No matter who they go up against, they'll have the best player in the matchup. And as we saw last year, I mean, you can have a better team than LeBron does. Because that's what the Celtics had. Even without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, they were a better team. And LeBron still beat them. So it's tough for me to... That's why the expectation for me is for them to beat anybody but Golden State. At least, that's that's, that's what should be their expectation. LeBron shouldn't feel like like LeBron last year. I think everyone, even including LeBron, knew the Cavs were going to lose to the Warriors, and I think nobody even cared, including LeBron, that the Cavs lost to the Warriors. I think LeBron accepted it after the J.R. Smith blunder that the series is over. But every, LeBron wanted to and knew that they would beat, or had confidence that they could beat every other team that he's going up against. Regardless of whether or not they were favored or had the better record, so that should be the same thing, the same deal this year. So let's let's talk about how we think these conferences are going to break down. Um, so Kendall, my Eastern Conference in terms of the top eight teams, I have Celtics at one, 
Raptors at two, Pacers three, Sixers four, Bucks five, Wizards six, Pistons seven, and Heat eight. Um, run down your teams, Kendall. Who do you have here? Uh, in the East. Yeah. Yeah. In the East, I've got the Celtics, Bucks, Raptors, Pacers, Sixers, Nets, Wizards, Heat. The obvious thing that I see from our differences right now, you have the Bucks at two. What about yes. the Milwaukee Bucks? Do you see a them being a serious threat in the Eastern Conference this year? That's a huge jump. They were the eighth seed last season. Yeah, the Bucks were the eighth seed last year. They you guys in the oh yeah, they played us. Yeah, <laughs> that series—that's right. We were it was a seven-game series. It was a, it was a it was a pretty good series. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um... Yeah, no, the, the Bucks are a team that I certainly remember that series. And funny, I didn't even think about that series and making them the two seed. But uh, they're a team that brought brought in Mike Budenholzer, who uh, is light years ahead of <laughs> Mr. Joe Brunty as a uh, as a coach, in my opinion, at least. And I think Giannis, I think the Kumpo could take another leap uh, and be very squarely in the MVP conversation. Uh, with another man who we'll talk about later, but um, yeah, I think this Bucks team is gonna be very dangerous with Mike Budenholzer's coach, Giannis taking another level, and Chris Middleton's in a contract year, so you know he's gonna have to show out. You don't really have to deal with the baggage of Jabari Parker anymore, which I think didn't help the team, especially in the postseason, didn't help the team. I tell you what, I, a two is high, but I I get the enthusiasm for the Bucks. Um, the Bucks last season oftentimes play like a team that didn't have a coach. Like, and that's not, I'm not, I don't exaggerate when I say that. I mean, I watch, you know, I love NBA League Pass and being able to kind of watch these teams. You know, a lot of times it's a fly, it's a flyby, you know, you can't, I'm following the Knicks every night. I mean, I can't follow every team every night, so I'm flying by teams. And every time I just watch the Bucks, for a team that had the talent they had, it was ridiculous how they looked every night. And that they, the fact that they were to win as many games they did playing the way they did was ridiculous. So I agree. Uh, Budenholzer, I think, brings them a lot of credibility. I think they will be a much better offensive team. They will play a much faster tempo. There will be much more ball movement, assuming that Bledsoe actually runs the offense, which is not guaranteed. I hope that Budenholzer can get in his head and get him to play winning basketball. Because that guy tends to kind of do whatever the hell he wants sometimes. But if he, they can get him playing the right kind of point guard play, and um, and I also expect him to maybe take a step up defensively because the Hawks team that under Budol has also played very good defense. I I like the Bucks. Um, I don't think that that's a crazy prediction to have them at two. I wouldn't put them there. Uh, I obviously I had them at five, which I think is a still a good jump. I think they're going to be a lot better. Um, so I was interested in that. I had the Pacers at three, Kendall, and you had them at four. I think the Pacers are the team that we really need to pay attention to. Um, everyone's kind of looking at the Sixers, who I, I think that I honestly don't think that they really will be much in the discussion this year. They're going to be a good team. They're going to win their share of games. Uh, I have them slipping one spot from last year, three to four. But I think the Pacers are a team that showed last year they clearly were very much on the rise. And I love their signing of Tyreek Evans. I think that you add Tyreek Evans and you get rid of Lance Stevenson. He's 
he's everything like yeah, he's everything Lance Stevenson thinks he is. Um, he Tyreek Evans is Lance Stevenson at home every single night. Yeah, like, yeah, like, homelands. Yeah, yeah home They have now for eighty-two games, um, with like even more scoring ability. That's what Tyreek Evans is. He had a spectacular year last year in Memphis, and you had that kind of offense. That's the kind of player they needed against. If they had Tyreek Evans, they beat the Cavs. That was the exact guy they needed. Just another guy who could break down the defense and just not leave it all on Old Depot to do his thing. They got him. I'm I'm buying Miles Turner's new body. Uh, this guy's got himself into great shape, and I think that you know that breakout year has got to happen at some point, and this has to be the year for him. Uh, they just gave him a lot of money, so uh, I'm hoping that he can like kind of prove it this year. Demonte Sabonis is increasing. I think that this is also a very dangerous team, so I have them in there. Um, looking at the rest of your team, you had the Nets in the playoffs at a pretty good spot. You had them at six. I didn't have them in the Nets in playoffs at all. I don't think that they, they're going to be very close. So what do you see in the Nets that I'm missing? I mean, I think the Nets could be dangerous. Uh, I think the Nets have... Uh, what makes the Nets dangerous is they are very volatile. Uh, not necessarily the organization from a historical standpoint, although they have been historically, but this is a totally different regime under Sean Marks. I can't I can't talk about whether or not they're volatile in the sense of the thing they've done, but they're volatile in the sense of they're at such they're in such no man's land of like you know we have been awful for years, but we have a bunch of different assets and we want to be competitive because we've been so bad, but we do have legitimate assets that we could and guys that we can use to rebuild that. I would look out for the Nets, one, possibly making a move for a guy that, for a star player that could be on the outside, I don't know who that guy is, it could be Jimmy Butler, could be, uh, I don't know, it could be Blake Griffin, could be Marcus Gasol, I don't know who that player is, but, and don't be surprised they made a move for a guy that's a star player, but also, they just have a lot of good players on their roster. Um, I think D'Angelo Russell, I'm, I, this is the year, basically, for Russell. Um, if he wants a shot at being a, a franchise player, it's going to have to come this year. Uh, but if not, I'm very high on Karis LeVert. And, you know, Spencer didn't lead really a good year last year. So, I think this Nets team under Kenny Atkinson is going to play hard. I think they're going to make the playoffs. LeVert looked really good last night in a loss. So did Dimwitty. Yeah, playing LeVert playing back home. Yeah. And LeVert, I don't know where he's from, but I know he's in Michigan, so. And LeVert got the starting spot, uh, which I was a little surprised about. Um, I kind of think he's a better fit next to Russell. Yeah, Dimwitty's so nice that I thought that maybe they try to play them both in the backcourt. But I, I agree, he, he's a more natural. Honestly, Dimwitty's better than Russell right now. Which he, is, he is. It's kind of a problem. Yeah, he is. I'm, I, I, I didn't want to say it, but you said it. Um, <laughs> he's better than Russell. I don't know what that means for him. Russell hasn't looked like he's gotten any better since he left the Lakers. Played well for a little that. bit last year. I thought he, got he hurt. played well when he was playing, and then he got hurt. I can't say that. Um, I just feel like I mean, he's, I he's a gotten enough decent better. player in LA also. Right. I, I would say that I don't think he's gotten enough better. I think that he was better than what he was in LA, but I think that we all expected him to make a bigger jump when he got to Brooklyn. Maybe it maybe was the injuries, but I, it just never happened. So... This is a huge year for him, and he's got a guy who's backing him up who can ball, 
And it, I think it almost kind of works because Dimwitty gives you, he's so tall, he gives you, you know, versatility at really three positions. You could even play him at the three if you really wanted to. So I kind of get why Green wants the bench makes sense, but their best point guard is the guy who's coming off the bench right now. So that's a situation that's interesting to me. I don't know. I just didn't. I, I, the East is really bad after a couple of teams. So that there's going to be a team in there that's going to make a run that's going to play the playoffs that the Cavs won't be in that spot. I had the Pistons. Um, I purely just because I looked at the teams, I wanted to put the Bulls there, but I. I I guess you got the Bulls handle this early situation without Lowry marketing, without some of their guys. Uh, Chris Dunn, like, they're not that deep to be able to just survive a long time without those guys. Especially marketing, they're going to be out two months almost. Like, that that's a huge issue. So if they start off 3-10, and 10, that's, it's going to be hard for them. They, they couldn't make it up, but, like, that's a hole they're going to dig themselves in. So I picked someone else. So I went with the Pistons because I just think they're out of the teams that – have to be in that next spot besides the um, Cavs. They are the most talented. Uh, Drummond uh, had a really, really great year last year. I was kind of happy he did eventually get all-star uh, consideration because he was great. It's just his team kind of fell apart, and they stopped listening to the coach. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see what they do with Dwayne Casey. Uh, Casey's an excellent coach. He's, an excellent, he's been excellent in the regular season pretty much his entire career. So I'm excited to see like how he kind of uh, maximizes a Blake Griffin in 2018. Hopefully by telling him to stop dunking on people. <laughs> but uh, as long as he does that, I think that the Pistons could be a team that are kind of that's kind of under the radar that may surprise some people. Uh, I had the Heat as my eighth team. I had the Heat taking a, a step back this year. I think that they shocked everyone with how they played. I don't think they're sneaking up on anybody anymore. So. They'll play hard every night. They'll compete every night. So they'll be in the playoffs. But I don't think that whatever they finished, they finished, what, six last year. They almost had home court. They won't be that close. They'll be a team that's fighting for that last spot, I think. I think they got kind of lucky last year. Um, I don't think there's really anything else from the East that from our, our vantage point. I see it's both nah. both of us. Neither of us are that high on the Wizards. Do you, you have anything to say on that? You have them at seven, I have them at six. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I want the Wizards. I mean, I don't, I don't want the Wizards to be good. I don't care about the Wizards. They're a bunch of punks, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I'm sure that, <laughs> that, that's not a biased opinion there. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I like John Wall and Bradley Beal, the basketball players. I like all these guys. Uh, but, you know, I just haven't appreciated the way they've been you know, the, the Marquis Morris saying, oh, we've been better than Celtics for years. Not, just saying nonsense. Yeah, that, yeah, but that, was just, that was just foolish. Regardless, uh, the Wizards, honestly, that was the, that that, that quote right there was the quote where I was like, they, they ain't going to be any better than they've been in the last couple of years. Because uh, I wanted to give this team a chance. You know, I wanted to think that, look, John Wall is going to be healthy and Beal is going to be healthy. Beal is finally healthy for about the first time in his career last year. Um, John Wall was not, and that's what hurt them for a lot of the year. Honestly, it would help them because he played; they played great without him. But his uh, inconsistency in terms of health hurt, hurt them last year. But this is a team that I just don't think they have it mentally. And add in Dwight Howard, who's already been injury prone uh, this season and or in training camp, and then uh, you add in Jeff Green and Austin Rivers. I just don't feel like they've added; they've only added more volatile. Uh, head cases in the locker room to a, to a team that I already I already felt had a lot of 
uh, interesting personality. So I'm not uh, I'm not so high on this Washington Wizards team. Yeah, I, I saw Zach Lowe make the case that the Wizards were very combustible, that this may be the year it gets blown up. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I thought the characters they added this offseason didn't make any sense. They had a character issue with their center last year, and then somehow they made it worse. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how yeah. they made it worse than what they had with Gortat. Then they signed Dwight Howard, who has just been a problem everywhere he's gone. I thought he played great in Charlotte last year. They couldn't wait to get him the hell out of there because he's not a good mix in these locker rooms for some reason. I, I, I he, he did the media rounds uh, recently, so I'm hopeful that, me, you know, kind of talking about how he's changed and, you know, the typical thing he's got to do uh, before before his free agency. So I'm hoping that maybe, when well, I free agency for his trade, um, so I'm hoping that maybe he's learned something, but I don't know. Well, he was signed technically. All oh, right, because he got cut. Right, yeah. Brooklyn traded for him. Yeah, so whatever, whatever that situation was with him, he did the media rounds on ESPN talking about his career, whatever. How uh, he's a changed man and stuff. He kind of did the same thing last year. So, he, to be fair, he played last year well. He did back it up on the court, maybe not so much in the locker room. Hopefully, he can bring something to the table and not be as combustible. Uh, to this team this year with the Wizards, but I agree. They seem to be a team that's just on the decline. Their, their window is closed. I don't know what they do to fix it, but I, I this is a team that was once very intriguing. There's no intrigue to this team to me anymore. They're not beating anyone in the playoffs. They're not... They're just not... I don't know. They're, just, they're a team that's... These is terrible, so they're going to make the playoffs, but I, I just... It would surprise me if they really challenged any of these top teams. Why? Well, I, I think the East right now is really tough. I think that the top... It also wouldn't surprise me if this team won like 30 games. Yeah, if it got really bad, that wouldn't shock me. I agree. It's They're so talented that, like, I feel like injury would have to play a big part in that, too. But just in terms of, again, like, the, the chemistry mix that they have, I don't like it. Let's talk about the West, Kendall. Um, you want to run off your team, then I'll do mine. Uh, sure. Uh, got the Warriors, no surprise, Rockets, Pelicans, Jazz, Spurs, Lakers, Thunder, Mavericks. And I have the Warriors at one, Rockets two, Jazz three, Thunder four, Lakers uh, five, Nuggets six, Pelicans seven, Blazers eight. So... Um, interesting notes here. You don't have the Blazers in the playoffs at all. They were the third seed last year. I had them barely making the playoffs at eight. Um, you had the Pelicans at three. I had them at seven. You also don't have the Nuggets in the playoffs. Uh, I don't have the Spurs in the playoffs, which now I'm thinking about it. I made switch Blazers off of the Spurs. <laughs> Too late, man. Spurs are making the playoffs. Uh, did you forget about them? I think I did. Uh, I, I saw that. I saw you had know, the Spurs. Like, I, I said these actually like, Spurs. Yeah, nah, the Spurs. Like, he made it all year. Yeah, nah, I'm putting I, the Spurs at. Uh, I'm putting the Spurs at. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make a on the on the record fly. Uh, I, I clearly forgot the Spurs. I'm gonna put the Spurs at. Um, that Deontay Murray thing. Yeah, Deontay. I thought that's why he left. If Deontay Murray was healthy, they would be the fourth team. Easily. 
This would have been my 13, probably. Uh, I'm going to put him at 5, which means that bounces. That's where I had most of the Blazers. So, that, so we, now we both don't have the Blazers in the playoffs. The West is just crazy, man. The West is loaded, man. I mean, I mean, we're just completely read, we just completely wrote off Minnesota, which makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're another team that made it. Uh, Portland, like you said, we don't have in. Uh, the Clippers, I guess we have, we think have no shot. I mean, it's, this is not going to be an easy conference. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Nuggets, Phoenix look good last night. They look good in the preseason. Like, I have the Nuggets at seven, and like, I think that like, it looks crazy to me because the Nuggets have so much talent. Like the Nuggets, the Nuggets ended up being three. That wouldn't shock me. That's how high I think of their talent. So, and the Pelicans, I don't think the Pelicans are bad, but LeBron kind of throws a monkey wrench into everything, and. I guess the Pelicans, I have them at eight. I know you had them higher. I guess my question, Kendall, would be, are they able to stay healthy? I think everyone's kind of anticipating this being the final, finally the banner year for AD. It's the year that he wins a bunch of games and he wins the MVP. But the issue that's always kind of been with him and that team has been health. We know when he's healthy, he could just wreck the league and wreck anyone he's facing. But will they be able to maintain that kind of play? And what did they lose in having a guy like Rondo in the locker room and replacing him with someone like Alfred Payton? The guy had a triple-double last night, so or almost triple-double. And so they didn't know they lost that much last night, but not every team is going to be trotting out, you know, Melo and James Ennis defensively. Like, I I, I think they're going to be very good. I think, again, this West Conference is hard. So them being eight is not really, to me, saying that they're trash or anything. I just, I, I just don't think they're better than any of the teams that I have ahead of them. But you have met three, so clearly you think they're really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the Pelicans, uh, obviously, I'm not going to lie. What I saw last night affected my opinion of the team, but they do have a lot of weapons. Uh, I've said from the get-go that the people that lost their minds over them losing Ray John Rondo were overreacting. Uh, I think Rondo, look, he's a good player, um, especially in the play- in the playoffs. Uh, but I think Alfred Payton is a better basketball player right now than Ray John Rondo is. Uh, in terms of both sides, both ends of the floor, I think he's more talented, uh, more athletic, bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, obviously not nearly as bright, uh, not nearly as, uh, intellectual on the court, but I don't think that, the, I don't think that. Alfred is also he could also be a smart player at times, so I don't think he lose that much by losing Rajon Rondo, and then bringing in guys like Julius Randle or bringing in a guy like Julius Randle is also another piece that I mean they didn't have that in the playoffs last year, and similar to the Spurs, I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at the team that didn't have Billy Cousins. I'm saying to myself, all right, they added Julius Randle and they added. Alfred Payton, the only guy that really lost was Ray Rondo. So I think that this is a team that really improved. And same with the Spurs, where I feel like, all right, you didn't have Kawhi Leonard last year, and you made the playoffs. And now you add DeMar DeRozan. Well, even if you lost to John T. Murray, which is a tough loss, you still, and you, you lost Lonnie Walker, who will be out for a while. Yeah. But you didn't have him last year. Derek White, also, that's what's going to hurt them. Though. They lost three of their best young guards. And... They were going to rely on one of those guys. Obviously, they're going to rely on Murray. They retired. Eleven, and then Ginobili retired. 
Yeah, and then Ginobili retired. They really, in the last, like, month, they've lost four rotation guards and potential rotation guards. So, they're going to, I expect at some point they'll make a deal for somebody. I don't know who it will be. Jeremy Lin, TJ McConnell. There'll be somebody out there they're going to try and, Ty Jones, that they'll try and get a backup. But um, they are in dire need of a guard. But regardless, Popovich finds a way to make do whatever scraps he can find. So, I think this is a team that'll end up making the playoffs and being much better than last year, much better than people think. I think even the slow mo, letting slow mo walk, looks different with all those guards being gone now too. Yeah, because he could have filled that point guard role. Exactly. Um, I expect DeRozan to, and he did a lot of it last night to do a lot of creating. I think he, you're gonna see him creating a lot of stuff this year in terms of being a playmaker and being the lead ball handler. The one thing about the Spurs offense is that of all the teams that could probably survive not having a good point guard, it would probably be the way that that team runs their offense. It's so much motion. And yeah, there's pick and roll stuff, but with how they play, the point guard doesn't have to really dominate the ball. Anyone who can dribble a little bit can kind of run the offense. So that's why I still have them pretty high. That I, they could sort of, I think the fact I think they could have been a special team without with Murray. I don't think they can do that anymore unless there's some trade. But I think that if there's anything that could still be really good, make the playoffs, beat a lot of good teams, uh, without having that kind of guard, it would be the Spurs. Um, we both have we, we talked about the Rockets at length. We both had them at uh, at one and two. Was there any thought after last night of dropping them? Nah, nah. I think they'll figure it out at some point. Um, and I don't know who that team would be. You know, a lot of people talk about the Thunder possibly being much better this year. I, I don't see. Yeah, you had them very low. You don't. Yeah, you, think, I, you think they'd be worse than last year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll be much worse. I just think that the West uh, is tough. You know, they getting in is, is going to be an accomplishment in and of itself this year, and for a lot of these teams. And I feel like I look at the uh, the Thunder and. Unless Westbrook wins MVP or Paul George is an MVP candidate, I don't see the path where this team is really, really good. Yeah, I, I, Billy Donovan, I think, will get fired at some point this year. I think that the Nuggets, I mean, excuse me, the Thunder on paper look a lot, make a lot more sense. Uh, I think that they will finally be able to play the way they should have been playing last year. I expect them to run a lot. Westbrook's health is something that needs to be, be something we need to pay attention to. That will determine whether or not I would drop them in my list if I realize he's not as healthy as I think he will be. If he, for some reason, is banged up and not the same, then, yeah, in this West, you can't afford to have an 80% Westbrook. Like, that's a problem. If he's 100%, I think this is actually going to be a good team. I expect the, the Thunder, even though I have them still at four, which is where they were last year, I feel like we'll feel better about them going to the playoffs because they'll be playing a style of basketball that makes sense. Uh, Jeremy Grant was so improved last year, and the fact that Melo was keeping him not on the court for 35 minutes a night was detrimental. I think that him being that pogo stick, pogo stick four man uh, defensively and athletic with his athleticism, I think that he's going to bring a lot. So uh, I like the Thunder. I think they're a pretty good team. Uh, I have the Jazz at three. I think the Jazz are going to be uh, a really great team. Um they didn't play any defense last night. I don't know what that was about. But normally their defense is just insane. And I think Donovan Mitchell, uh, we saw how he played in year one. You got to expect he's going to be even better in year two. 
So now you got uh, a, a top flight guard. We know how they defend as a team. And uh, and I think that having Dante Exum for 82 games is not something to sneeze at. I think that Exum showed very late in the season that he was starting to figure it out. And the fact that they were able to re-sign him, I thought, was actually pretty crucial. Now you got him and Rubio as point guards in that team. Well, yeah, watch out for more guys. Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen's look pretty good. Might end up in the rotation at some point. Right. So, uh, in, in last year, they they finished uh, fifth, and they didn't even have the Seifel Tower for a large portion of the season. So, what if you get him for 82 games? We know what kind of impact he brings defensively. The Jazz are really good. No one wants to give them really any props because it's boring as hell to watch them play, and they're in Utah, but I think they're, besides the top two teams, I think they're as good as anyone. Um, did You have, you do not have the Nuggets. That was kind of shocking to me. You had the Mavs instead of the Nuggets. You, you got yeah. to explain yourself there. I, I, I don't see that at all. And I'm, yeah, and I'm nah. a Mavs fan. I like the Mavericks, but that's crazy to me. Yeah, the Mavericks, uh, they disappointed me a little bit last night. They didn't have Barnes. Didn't have uh, didn't have Dirk, so I'm not I'm not gonna lose my mind over lose or loss to the Suns, but um, I think they're gonna be a much improved team this year. Obviously, with Luka Doncic and DeAndre Jordan on the roster, uh, and with De- with Denver, I'm just I don't know, man. I'm not sure about Denver. I mean, they brought in Isaiah Thomas. Who I'm, I'm not sure if he. I don't know why they got him. Yeah, I'm not sure if he really helps them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is a guy I don't know if he'll even play this year, but they should have made the playoffs last year. That was the year they had to make it. And I'm saying they're not going to get better, but this Western Conference is tough. And for me, for this Denver team to make it, they need one of their top three guys to make the jump and be an All Star. The being those three guys being Jokic, Harris, and Murray. One of them will. The, yeah, and that's the key. I you know, I mean, I, I think Jokic has for a long time. I felt that he's had like MVP, can candidate type potential. Uh, he just has never been in the shape, or he's never been in the score to really be that type of guy or defender. But if he if if he can really commit himself to both ends of the floor and get some great shape, I. I, mean, I think he can be an all-star, but uh, or if it's the other two guys, they're just going to have to really explode offensively. But one of those three guys has to do it if the team's going to be a real playoff team. I yeah, uh, I, I I get you on the Jokic needing to play some defense. There's some statistics show he isn't he wasn't as bad as maybe some people make it out to be. Uh, but they were not a good defensive team last year, and it's not just him. Murray needs to prove defensively too. He's awful defensively, so. Those are two guys. It's not good that it's not good when you're the guy the head, of their defense. head of your defense and the guy protecting the rim don't really play much. That's that doesn't help you at all. That's why they missed the playoffs, probably. Not not why because those guys were also their best players. So I'm sure there were other issues that they had as well. It's under why they make because that certainly didn't help. Um, no, I don't know. I think the th- Nuggets uh, ceiling to me is super high. Uh, you mentioned that three guys. Uh, I mentioned two of them. I think that Gary Harris is. I think he's the next star shooting guard in the league. Um, really? Yeah. I I mean, assuming we all know Booker already is a star. There's a lot of good shooting guards in this league. 
But I'm well, gonna, we're gonna have our I'm top gonna, ten shooting guards yeah. video. It, right, Gary Harris gonna be on there. He will be on my list for sure. Wow, I didn't um, even consider Gary Harris. Um, we showed you how tough it was for to make to make that list, man. Gary Harris was a sniper last year. Uh, I did a post for the Hub, which you guys check out also the Hub News, where I write do some sports stuff, sports editor there. Um, you know Gary Harris's catch and shoot last year, his three point percentage was higher than Stephen Curry. Or almost as high is higher than Stephen Curry, and he shot equally as well as Clay Thompson. Um, really? In catch and shoot threes, he was he was one of the best in the league. He can he has an absolute ratchet, and it's he, he's not just a shooter. I mean, he he has a whole offensive game, but his shooting right now is so good, and he can handle. He can get to the rim. I mean, he just is so good. I. I I don't know why he's not honestly averaging more for that. I, I think a lot of it comes with just confidence. I mean, I saw games where he exploded, but like he just wasn't doing it on a consistent level. Gary Harris has so much game. He's so good. I, I just can't see a team with him and Jokic and Murray improving. I can't see how they don't make the playoffs. That would shock me. Last year, first year, they really realized they're kind of good. They're trying to, trying to figure it out in a tough conference. I can get that. Year two, I can't see them making it again in year two. Not with their talent level. That would... That would be that would be shocking to me. Um, Mavericks, I think the Mavericks can compete for a playoff spot, but they're kind of like the Bulls to me, where like they have these early injuries. That I don't think they're deep enough. Like, I saw some of the dudes that were playing last night. I'm like, man, this is not a team that can survive one injury, let alone <laughs> yeah, two. let alone two. And they had guys out there that should not be playing in the NBA. Like I love Jalen Brunson, but he was playing. He was playing for like 30 minutes last night. They were playing a bunch of dudes that were getting real NBA minutes. They made the Suns look like a bomb squad. Dorian Finney Smith is like a real rotation player. Like, I mean, I can pull I gotta pull up this box score. I mean, the guys they had out there, I literally like it's rare I watch an NBA game and I'm like, yo, I don't know who this guy is. And at one, one point, I forgot who was doing the game, but I, I got one of the dudes made a jump shot and he's like, uh, there's a jump shot there by Was it Mark Jackson? No. Oh, uh, it was like and the guy was like, by the Mavericks. And I don't I don't know who made the jump shot. I'm trying to look at who it could have been. Um, oh, it's Brokoff. Uh, <laughs> Brokoff, yeah, Ryan Brokoff from Australia made a jump shot. And whoever, Mark Jackson was a color guy, but whoever was doing a play play, he's like, and there's a jump shot by Dallas. <laughs> and then, like, eventually he got to Brokoff's name. I couldn't believe it. I was like, yo, that happened in an NBA national televised game. The guy just, quarter, Ken, there wasn't a blowout. This was like the second quarter. Yeah, you know, I understand they want to do the whole, you know, Aiden's first game, Doncic's first game, but, like, whose idea was to put Dallas and Phoenix on national TV, man? Yeah, that, that wasn't bright. I, I'm sure those ratings were terrible last night. Especially when you got I mean, the base, baseball, these teams are fighting for their lives in the ALCS. I don't know who the I mean, you literally put two of the worst teams in, from, in the league last year. Yeah, that that didn't that, that was not wise. I agree with that. But, I mean... Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't know Dallas, who with, those kind of dudes that are getting real minutes until... Uh, so the other guys get healthy, uh, they're gonna fall behind, and then then what happens if other guys get hurt? I'm gonna see more of Brokov and more of Kleber. They ain't making the playoffs with those guys. <laughs> that, that, that's no my way. concern. And, you know, I'm not sure if Doncic is gonna be able to stay healthy through through, through a whole 82 game season. Yeah, Maybe he's not in the best shape, but um, there's a lot of pressure on him in particular, and Dennis Smith. 
to be really good because they like you said this team is not very deep at all. Uh, and they already had two of their better players deal with injuries. So yeah, it's gonna be tough. Uh, I guess I'm just buying stock in what the guys and the two guys that I just mentioned, who I thought looked very good in the preseason. 